Amen. Please take your seats a moment. It's so wonderful to see you this morning. And wasn't it a joy to see people go through the waters of baptism this morning? Such a privilege and a blessing. How many of you remember a time when you did that? You remember that day? Yeah, what a precious moment. God is so good. He's so good. I've got a really simple word to bring today, and you're going to be in no doubt, no matter what your attention span, you're going to be in no doubt of what this word to you is today, because you're going to find me repeating it time and time and time again. And it's this simple word, be strong. If you've ever been to a gym, then sometimes there's a phenomenon that happens when guys get together in a gym. And there's a bit of testosterone gets flowing through those masculine muscles. And I've seen there become unofficial competitions as to who can lift the most. It gets quite competitive, doesn't it? There's some things, ladies, that you look onto us guys and you just don't get. And this is one of those things, along with who can eat the hottest curry. You know, these things, they really don't make any difference to our life, but they become competitions when guys get together. And, um, you know, that competition in the gym, uh, sometimes those environments, you know, you've got people stood in front of the mirrors doing this all day, and it's quite an intimidating environment. And I want to just tell you something that happened to me a number of years ago at the gym. And somebody taught me a, a way of training that basically you start out with the highest weight that you think you can manage. You do as many reps as you can, and then you take a rest, not for a cup of tea or something, just for like 30 seconds. And then you remove a little bit of weight off the bar or off the machine that you're using. And then you do the same thing again. You try and repeat as many lifts as you can. And then you take a rest and take some weights off. And, and you keep going until you end up with very little weight, either on the bar or on the machine. So I tried this. And so I loaded up with what I thought was probably the maximum that I could manage. And I, I began to lift. And I went as long as I could until I could lift it no more. And then I put it down. And then I um, just took a break. And then I put the pin in. It was a machine I was using. And I put less weights on the machine, did the same thing again. I kept going until all that was remaining was one more, uh, one more repetition, but with just one measly little bar on this machine, which was probably the equivalent of a few bags of sugar. It wasn't heavy at all. But you can imagine what happens as you've been through all that preceding exercise, your muscles are tired, and you don't have as much energy to give when you get to that last bit of equipment. And so that's where I was at. And so I had one weight left to just to repeat as much as I could, but my muscles were aching and screaming, and I lay on the bench to pick up this machine to lift it with the equivalent of a few bags of sugar. But I was so exhausted that I began to strain, lifting up the equivalent of a few bags of sugar, and I could see my face turning red, I could feel the ache in my muscles, and I began to do something that I said I would never do at the gym, and I went, ah! 
And at that moment, lifting that measly, tiny little weight, I noticed a big bodybuilder looking at me, looking at the weight on the bar, and just shook his head and walked off. He had no context of what I'd been through, had no understanding of the experience that had led to that moment. But he might have judged my strength based on that moment. But I want you to know that there are times in our life when the repetition of activities and storms and difficulties and challenges and battles that we face, they bring us to a place where we feel very, very weak. And it can be that when you hear a term like be strong, that we begin to think, who are the spiritual superheroes in the room? In fact, we read that Jesus often confronted very sharply those people who thought that they were the spiritual superheroes of his day. And they had not capes necessarily, but they had long robes that would have been symbolic of maybe some of their acclaim and some of the things that they'd earned in their religious duty and favor that they would have given long prayers in the synagogue as a symbol of their spiritual strength and their power. And there was some bravado about that. There were some spiritual comparisons of muscles between the religious people of the day. I'm more spiritual than you. I can lift more spiritually than you can. And then there's people that don't feel like they're spiritual superheroes, but I want you to hear this. God says to each of us to be strong. We're going to look at a few verses together, and we're going to look from a small book in the Old Testament of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 4. It says these words, Even so, just pause there a moment. Even so. There was a context to this, that was filled with disappointments. It was filled with history of rebellion against God. It was filled with um, things that had not gone as they'd hoped. It was filled with challenges that were ahead. It was a context filled with enemies. It was a context filled with circumstances that weren't ideal. And that's why those words exist there of even so. I wonder what the story of the weights that you've been pushing, of the storms you've been facing, the battles you've been experiencing, the enemies that have been standing before you, I wonder what those are. If we had a few moments, I'd get you to ask one another, what has been the storms, the enemies, the things that have come against you? Because you'd all have them. Even so. Even though those exist. Even so, be strong. And the person this was speaking to was Zerubbabel. And then it says, this is the Lord's declaration. When God declares something, it's not like a notification that goes on the wall of a notice board and he says, if you're interested, take it. When God declares and he speaks into the darkness and he says, let there be light, it's not ambiguous. When God declares something, it is true. It happens because his words have the power of life. So God says, let there be light, and there was. God says, be strong, and there is strength. 
This is the Lord's declaration. And then he goes on, be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work, for I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. Of course, there are many of these declarations, of these exhortations, and even commands to be strong. If we look at another Joshua, to the one we just mentioned, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, Have I not commanded you, this is not declared, this is commanded now, to be strong and courageous. But you say, I feel weak, I feel vulnerable. I don't feel like I've got much superhero strength about me. We'll come to that in a moment. But be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. In another Old Testament book in Deuteronomy 31, again, similar words. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. I don't know who your them is. I don't know what the circumstances that might fit into that category of the them, of the even so's. For it says, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. See, we, we've never, I don't think in our society, ever been as understanding of the vulnerabilities of our weakness. We have sayings in society and in church, don't we, where it's okay not to be okay. And, and, and I praise God that we've come to a place where our church gatherings are not plastic fake occasions where we're trying to pretend things are okay when they're not. Because that's not authentic. One of our values is that we thrive authentically, that it's real, that we don't pretend. We don't go through the motions and have masks on. I don't mean face masks for COVID. I mean masks that pretend and project that we're something that we're not, that we don't pretend that things are good when they're actually difficult. It's okay not to be okay. But... In the midst of our not okay, in the midst of our vulnerabilities, in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of the challenges that surround us, even so, be strong. And if you think this is just an Old Testament phenomenon, let me take you through to the New Testament, to the epistle of Ephesians. This famous chapter 6, which talks about the armor of God, it says these words, finally, be Anybody worked out what I'm speaking on today? Finally, be strong. In the Lord. Whoa, in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Oh, come on, God. Are you saying I should be strong? Or are you saying, it's you that's strong, and because you're strong, I can be strong? 
What are you saying? Well, this term, be strong, could be understood to be the least sensitive, shepherding, pastoral thing that you could say to somebody who's going through a difficult time. If somebody pours out their heart to you after the service, and they tell you how weak they feel, tell you how vulnerable they are, tell you how difficult life is, please don't turn to them and say, oh well, pull yourself together and get strong. It's not a good idea, is it? It's not a very empathetic, very sensitive thing to say. Oh well, sorry to hear all that, but come on, be strong now. It doesn't sound like that's a very... Um, God-like thing to say, and yet we've got God saying it. Is God not a very good shepherd? Well, the Bible describes him as the good shepherd. He knows us intimately. He knows every nuance of our lives. So what is he saying here? Because it sounds like this could be an insensitive statement. But God is not in these exhortations, these declarations, these commands giving you a burden of something that you can't do. But God, we're wired a bit strange. I know I made you. <laughs> no, God, seriously, we're, we're, we're not wired. That if you tell us to do something, it's a, we can't just switch our minds. You can't just forget your problems. You can't just switch off your anxieties. If you've worked out how to do it, then please tell us. Because if I say to you, please, don't think about chocolate right now. What are you all thinking about right now? Chocolate. Some of you have gone a step further and you're now eating a Ferrero Rocher in your mind. You are eating those lovely Swiss chocolates that just explode when they melt into the middle. Some of you have really gone to a whole level. And those, um, the, those um, dairy milk, what do they call those majestic bars? Is that what they are? Where they, they've got their little space candy in there and it explodes in your mouth. I'm not helping, am I? Because you're thinking about chocolate. Just because God says, be strong, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be concerned, it doesn't mean to say that we can just switch our minds off. It's not like we're the Clark Kent of spirituality and we're despondent and we're rejected and suddenly we put our glasses on and we become supermen in God. We can't just switch our minds like that. So, God, are you being desperately unsensitive? Do you not understand how we're wired? And yet, he says, finally be strong in the Lord. Let's look for some clues. Psalm 27 verse 1, this famous, fantastic, incredible scripture. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, let's dissect that a little bit. If we just had that section that said, whom shall I fear? There may be a list that you could compile of people who are stronger than you, situations that are bigger than you, environments that intimidate you. You might make a long list and said, this is who I should fear. But I'm glad that that those few words, whom shall I fear, that question is asked in the context of a reminder 
of the context that we're in. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Basically, my God is bigger than your problem. My God is more powerful than the storm. My God is more able than my anxiety. My God, my God, my God. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who competes with his majestic power and wonder and might? Who is there like my God? Remember some of those phraseologies in school life where someone would have a battle with someone else and fall out with someone and they would say, my, my brother's going to sort you out. So have you seen my brother? My brother will sort your brother out. Well, have you seen my brother's cousin? He'll sort your brother's brother out. And he, you know, I know someone who's bigger than you or whoever you can bring. And no matter what you're facing, God is bigger. He is your light to shine in the darkness of your despair. He is your hope. He is the one that is able to keep you secure and strong in the storms of life. And that's why you can say, whom shall I fear? Because when God flexes his muscles, there is no one who compares with our God. But hang about, Mark, I get it, God's bigger. But you've been saying, you've been reading passages that say, but you be strong. Well, I love that when God decrees and declares and speaks something over our life, he's not asking us to dig deep to create it and find it. But he's actually declaring something over our life that he's providing it's a bit like if a millionaire came and stood next to you and you had no money and you had vast need and the millionaire said to you, be rich. And I mean, they're not just saying, hey, listen, let me teach you some tools to get rich. But the millionaire is saying, be rich and hands you some of their wealth. That's what God does with this passage and be strong. He gives his strength. And isn't that true of everything God does? I think of the story of the friends who lower their friend who was paralyzed on a mat through the roof of a home that was filled with people crowding around Jesus. They couldn't get into the front door, so they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him down. And Jesus, first of all, he said, your sins are forgiven. Then the religious people said, who are you to forgive sins? He said, is it easier for me to forgive sins or to say, be healed? In the name of Jesus, rise up, take up your mat and go. And he picks up his mat. When Jesus said, pick up your mat and go, was Jesus saying to him, now come on. Come on, find now the resources from within. Find them so that you could discover how to use your muscles. Come on, find the resource to resolve those neurological issues that you're facing. Find the resource and listen to me. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus 
spoke over his life, said, pick up your mat and go, and gave him healing. There's a transfer of God in our lives. So when God declares and commands, be strong, he's not asking you to dig deep. He's asking you to receive. Because he wants his strength to be made perfect in our weakness. I love the way God is so generous and kind with us. Proverbs 28 says in verse 1 that the wicked flee, though no one's pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why is that? Why are the righteous as bold as a lion? Have they been through some alpha program that has just taught them how to roar and be bold? Have they been through some class that helps them? Or is there a reality and a revelation and a transfer that adds something into their life that they didn't have outside of knowing the Lord? Of course, Jesus speaks, pick up your mat and go, and healing flows. Jesus speaks over your life today and says, bless you. I'm sure he says that as well. And he also says, be strong. This is not to be worked up, church. In fact, the problem that we have is that so often we try to do things in our own strength so much that we don't discover the strength of God. Recently been reading the journals of a man called David Brainhard in the 1700s. He was very used of God to take the gospel to the American Indians and his journals are pretty hard work, if I'm honest. They're hard reading because it feels like this man spent hours and hours saying things like, woe is me. He felt like he spent hours and hours of his days and his weeks and his months and his life saying, God, I'm such a mess. I'm so weak. I'm so vulnerable. My heart is so wicked. God, I'm so far away from you. And I keep wanting to speak into the journal and say, but God is your refuge and strength. God is your salvation. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Come on, David, lighten up. But you see this journey unfold that he becomes more aware of the mess of his life which makes him more receptive to the wonders of salvation. I wonder, I wonder if in your walk with the Lord, you think, well, Jesus has taken away a few sins from my life. 
you know, he's kind, he's good, and he helps me. He wants to be more than that. And it's when we understand our weakness, which is why so often we read that God seems to allow people and nations to be stripped back to a place where they come to an understanding that I have nothing. You know, why did God say to Gideon, your army is too big? It wasn't too big. Gideon thought he needed more people in his army to overcome the battles that were about to be stepped into. Why did God say your army's too big? God, if you can use a few, you can use a lot. But why was it too big? It was too big because if they'd gone to war with that army, they would have convinced themselves that it was their strength that would have brought the victory. But God wanted Gideon and his army to be strong in the Lord. Not in their might, but in the power of his might. And I believe, church, I believe that there's a, a new level of something coming in the church in the UK and the West and beyond where we're going to become more aware of just how in need we are, of just how weak our arms are, just how weak our churches are, just how vulnerable we are. There's never been a move of God across the nations that's not been preceded by a move of repentance. See, at the beginning of the Welsh Revival, that cry by Evan Roberts, Bend me, O God. Shape me, O God. And there's a cry, not of people rising up and saying, hey, let's go and sing some positive songs over our community. But it's a rise of people saying, woe is me. I am weak. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Train of his robe filled the temple. And I cried out, woe is me. I'm undone. And sometimes it feels like churches are competing in the mirror. Look at our strength. Look what we've got. There's a competitiveness. And all of us need to come knowing our weakness. Because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. In Isaiah 12, it says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. God's not been insensitive when he speaks into people's lives and he says, be strong. He's not being unpastoral. He's being generous. And no matter what strength you think you've got in your own merit, say, I can do this, I can, I can conquer this, I can overcome this. Oh, maybe there are some things that you can do in your own strength. But there will always be limitations. And I believe, I, I'm convinced that God is preparing his bride for a move of the Spirit across the nations. I believe there's an awakening that God is stirring in the nations, I believe that we're going to see 
millions upon millions of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, but it's not going to be by the church standing there going, look at our muscles. But it's going to be about the church saying, look at our need, but look at our Savior. Look at the one who fights for us. Look at the one. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I'm beaten and I'm bashed down, but I'm not destroyed. Jesus, speaking in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm glad that he comes alongside those of us who've lost people, loved ones, or any other form of grief in our lives. And while it is true that God is with us at those times, that's not really what that verse is about. Blessed are those who mourn is about those people that know that they have a desperate need of God. That they bring nothing. Blessed are those who mourn and petition and say, Woe is me, God, for they will be comforted. Maybe you've looked at yourself lifting some of those weights of your trials and you thought, I'm so weak. I'm so weak. God's saying to you today, step aside and let my strength be demonstrated. He never tires. He never fails. Be strong. That verse in Proverbs that we read, it says, the wicked flee though no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Band, would you come and join me on the stage a moment? Quickly. That's better. We get whispered on. If I, if I go into the stage slowly, no one will notice. <laughs> the righteous are as bold as a lion. Maybe those even so reasons have begun to intimidate you. Those battles, those storms, those enemies, and you have been so aware of your weakness, and it's overwhelmed you, and it's okay not to be okay. And in fact, when you know you're not okay, God wants to show you he is. He's more than okay. And I'm going to ask us, Maybe we can sing that. Um, are we going to do that song we did earlier? Sing a hallelujah? Yeah. Great. Gonna, let's all stand together, shall we? In just a moment, I'm not going to ask us to do animal impressions and make a roar of a lion. You can do that if you want to. But I'm going to invite us in just a moment to be as bold 
as a liar. To be demonstrating a courage and a conviction that if God is for us, who could be against us? To be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. But before we do that, if you know Jesus, can I ask you to pray right now for those who are either online or in the room that don't know Jesus? Because the Bible says that you are loved. No matter how much you've left God out of your life, you are loved more than you will ever know. And Jesus does not discriminate against anyone, no matter what your past has been. He doesn't say to you today that I'm not going to accept you. If you will come to Him in humility, if you will come to Him and ask for His forgiveness and His mercy, the Bible says He is faithful and just and He will forgive you of all your sin, all your unrighteousness, all your mess. And it's His great pleasure to do that. So as everyone who knows Jesus prays, if you don't know Jesus as your friend, as your saviour, as your comforter, as your strength, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer, simple prayer, and it goes like this. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And I'm so sorry I've left you out of my life and I've done things my own way. And I've walked away from you, not towards you. Please forgive me. Forgive me of everything I've said wrong, every wrong thought I've had, every wrong attitude I've formed, every wrong thing I've done. Please forgive me. And through your forgiveness made possible by your son Jesus, given his life on the cross, and his resurrection, which offers me new life, I receive your new life now. Just as you stand there, if you prayed that prayer, just let the love of God wash over you now. Fill these precious lives with your restoring power and love. Give them revelation of Jesus. Reveal your light and your salvation. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, either for the first time or to come back to Jesus today, I'd love to know who you are so I can include you in a prayer and we can also get you some information that will help you with that decision. Would you just raise your hand where you are when I've seen it? I'll acknowledge it and then you can put it down. Thank you. Is there anyone else this morning receive Jesus? Thank you. Anyone else this morning to look around the room? If I'm not seeing your hand, just raise it a bit higher. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone online, if you pray that prayer, then please reach out to one of our online pastors. They'd be delighted to pray with you. Church, before we pray for these people, could we give them a a warm welcome into the family of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rejoice in you, Jesus.
now, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. That they may live the life of Christ in their lives. To follow you all the days of their lives.